Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber, along with John Doyle and Logan Whitmer. Today is episode number 72. And among other things today, we will discuss shop smells. You heard me. Shop smells. This episode is brought to you by Shaper Tools, makers of Shaper Origin, the handheld CNC that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. Tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. Try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. All right. So first of all, uh, I was buzzing around on the woodworking Instagrams. And I saw that Matt Cremona was loading up a ginormous cherry tree from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Yeah, wow. so that butthead. So, so like, that's, that's your, your territory, territory, man. man. Uh, that's exactly turf. what I told him. I commented on his Facebook post, and I said, dude, seriously, you come down to Iowa, you don't text me, so that's one. Am I surprised? No. I'm hurt, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. Two, are you taking my derecho trees? And yes, he said yes. So, yeah. butthead. Yeah, which, to be fair, brazenly. that was a huge cherry tree. Right. What, like, did you see the size of it? Yeah, what did he say? It was 40 inches or something? Yeah, like 42 or 43 inches at the base. And then yeah. there's a crotch like eight, eight or nine feet up. Like, I, quite honestly, I wouldn't know what to do with it. I mean... <laughs> That's a whole lot of cherry crotch there, you know, but it, yeah, I, I've gotten a couple of cherry trees from the derecho, none of which are that big. So good for him. I'm just a little disappointed that he got that piece of cherry crotch and not me, but what do you yeah. do? Yeah. Yep. Although I would imagine that Cedar Rapids has plenty of derecho trees for all the hungry young Sawyers out there. <laughs> that they do. <laughs> I have, actually, we're, we're recording this the weekend before Memorial Day, right? It's Memorial yep. Day, right? Yep. Coming up. I always yep. get Labor Day and Memorial Day mixed up. Mm-hmm. Memorial Day. And on Memorial Day, I'm heading over to Cedar Rapids to do some more sawing for a gentleman I saw for a couple weeks ago. So I did 14 oak logs last week, and he told me, Monday, we have 22 oak logs. <laughs> so. 22 more? 22 more. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys some pictures. I'll see if I can get some pictures up on the Woodsmith Facebook page or the Popwood Facebook page. It won't be on the Woodsmith Facebook page. It'll be on Popwood Facebook page. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of territory. The petty game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spill some of your crumbs over here. Yeah. If you can. <laughs> Yeah. No, I'll get them. I'll we'll get share some photos it. up on. I'll get some photos up on both pages. It'll be fun. You'll yeah. put it up on Popwood and then share it to the Woodsmith, Woodsmith. Facebook yeah. page yeah. to like oh. drive yeah. all yes. our quality this, traffic over there. Yeah, this Salt post shared by Peppermint Petty. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I can't. Nah. Yeah. So, Sorry. are you keeping the oak then, or no? No, this is all for this gentleman. Okay. Um, okay. This this guy's uh, gentleman's name is Dean. Um, Dean, uh, Dean has a property outside of Vinton, so it's not technically Cedar Rapids; it's right outside of uh, yeah. Cedar Rapids. But Dean has he has a a very very beautiful property. It looks like if I could take a southern plantation estate and put it in the middle of Iowa, that's exactly what it's like. I mean, it's like an old white farmhouse really big, a bunch of additions onto it. He has a lot of little white painted outbuildings. Um, it's just a beautiful place. He has a corn crib that, uh, it looks like a barn. It was used as a corn crib, but he finished the second level. So it's like a, a mother-in-law suite, basically. It has two bedrooms, a kitchen, a bathroom. It's very cool. Um, but Dean has wow uh, 100 acres or so around his place that's all timber. So him and his sons over the, they burn wood to heat their, their property. Um, but as they are going through cleaning up their timber from derecho, a lot of these trees are actually date pre derecho. 
um, and it's just been a lot of cleanup activity in their timber. Uh, they've identified these nice straight logs and they've been saving them. So uh, he's just had a big pile there for the last couple of years. I'm the second Sawyer who's had come out and cut wood for him. Um, so yeah, and, and uh, his buddy Tom is actually is a, a longtime woodsmith fan. Uh, TV show, magazine. Um, Tom was a tool salesman for Acme Tool, I believe. Uh, and um, Tom's actually one that got a hold of me and found me uh, and was having me come out softening. So it's just, I mean, it's just a good time. Uh, go out saw for, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve hours, uh, and stuff, and yeah, it, it's fun. So I've been doing that this weekend. And, and, cool. And Tom found you through Woodsmith, mm-hmm. not Pop Wood. Yes, it was through. He's a Woodsmith. Fan. Wow, wow. He's never even heard of Pop Wood. <laughs> I I don't know that. Probably he, not. <laughs> I have nothing to say to you, John. <laughs> <laughs> just for the record, we're just trying to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, clear enough. So <laughs> good to know. Yeah. Topic today should have been turf wars is what it should. Yeah. Have been. I guess. Jeez. Yes. So hmm. our topic for today was shop smells. Can I tell you the backstory behind this? Before Please we do. Yeah. Yes. I, just for everybody that loves listening to Logan talk this entire, the entire episode. Um, so I told you guys the last couple of weeks that my shop's a mess. Okay. My shop is a mess. My garage is a mess. It has been a mess. It's driving me nuts. My anxiety is through the freaking roof. So this last weekend... But not enough to, to actually something. do something about it. No, no. That's where I'm going, <laughs> Phil. This last weekend, it drove me batty enough that I cleaned my garage, okay? Okay. Um, I cleaned up mm, half my garage. So half my garage is usable. The other half still stacked full of lumber. But... Um, I cleaned my entire garage and come yesterday or two days ago, there's a smell out there and there's a smell of something dead. Okay. Okay. So I want to know with both of you guys having your shops in the garage, have you guys ever had something die in your garage that has created a smell? Hmm. Yes. Okay. Two things. Okay. When we first moved in, uh, the prior owners had used the back of the garage where my shop is as storage, just general storage. A bunch of crap was piled back there. Kind of right smack up in the back was like a bunch of random pieces of hard or plywood and foam insulation and odds and ends building materials. So I started cleaning it out because I knew that my workshop was going to be back there and pinned up against the last piece of plywood and the back wall of the garage was a now very dried out, very dead squirrel. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) It was like squirrel leather at this point. Mummified squirrel. Yeah. So... In a perfect world, I'd get that whole wall repainted, repainted, but I was able to remove the remains and clean it out for the most part. But there was a little bit of a lingering odor there. And then uh, just a few winters ago, I was coming home from work, I believe. I was pulling into the garage, and as I pull into the garage, I see my shop along the back wall. And right on top of my workbench is a little mouse hanging out you know yeah just doing its thing maybe enjoying a little little sun and i got out of the car and he kind of ran away and that was when my shop was not in a really nice place so he had plenty of places to hide so i put out right on top of my workbench a little dish of something enticing and yet dangerous all at the same time and a few days later, when I came out to the shop, okay. I recognized the very, the very same aroma that you smelled and was able to, to track it down and dispose of the body. Good to know. The body, yeah. the body go in the river? No, just the regular trash. So Okay. Fair enough. Just, just being a little mouse, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. John, you ever had the... Uh, 
The odor? I don't know that I've ever had anything die in my garage shop. I've definitely seen evidence of mice, but they are living well and probably free to come and go as they please. So sure, they've never died in there. I'm more humane than that, I guess. It's it's just a free range area that they can see. I know, guess I guess what droppings. I'm I guess what I'm like confused by is I have found dead mice in the garage before, right? Like. I get them in there occasionally, and usually it's like when I get the tractor in the garage to do some work on it, they come out of the tractor at night because they live in the engine of the tractor. Uh, and I found them dead in there before, and I've never noticed the smell. Yeah. But hmm. for some reason, some I know something, something has to be dead in there. My neighbor has two small chihuahuas, or three small chihuahuas. And I looked out there. They're still out there. So it's not a chihuahua because they occasionally come over and say hi. Right. I have. So you haven't been able to track down the source of the smell then? I I haven't. And I have looked all over. Like, my garage is pretty dang clean now. Hmm. I'm wondering if it isn't, like, under my steps. I built – when we built our house, after we moved in, one of the first things I did was I built, like, a landing and a closet and stuff. There's some storage underneath. And I thought maybe it was under there because I have a lot of like spare boxes of tiles and stuff, stuff that's very heavy to move. It's just you don't move it unless you have to. Yeah. And I like kind of poked my head around there, and I have not found it. Like I've looked all over. I've I've let my dog run around in the garage hoping maybe he'll find it. Yeah. And nothing. Like I don't. Maybe it's in the attic. Maybe there's a bird or something dead up there. Birds don't usually stink though when they die. So. I don't know. It's just as it was interesting to me because I have searched all over for for said odor and cannot find it. So it's kind of going away now. So either something's turning into jerky or it wasn't actually a dead animal. It was just something else. I don't know. Yeah. So now, John, you found evidence of wildlife in our old video studio shop. <laughs> yes. Snake skins, mice, yep, all that. I suppose where there's mice, there's going to be snakes if they can get in there, and yeah. So, I do remember walking because the old video studio for Woodsmith, for everyone who has listened, because not many people have were down there, was very close to the Raccoon River, mm-hmm. just outside the levees. On the good side. On the good side of the levees. Yes. And uh, so we were down by the river, and it was near Waterworks Park in Des Moines, which has quite a bit of wildlife. And it was always mm-hmm. fun to be down there because, I mean, we've seen deer and turkey. Mm-hmm. Uh, coyotes. I think we coyotes we saw down there. You guys groundhog. chased a groundhog. We did chase point. a groundhog. Yep. Um. And I remember coming into the studio and the parking lot side door right under the wood step was a big, I don't know if it was a bull snake or something was kind of mm-hmm. lurking under there. And I was surprised on how, how large that thing was. And even the snake skins that you found, John, were, they were not small snake skins. No, no, they were eating well. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I feel like we've had this conversation before on the podcast. We probably have. I mean, Geez, we're on episode 72. So we've been doing this over a year. And right. I think last time I said, I think last time we talked about this, I had mentioned something about finding some droppings of something in my garage. And one of our readers or listeners said it was probably a squirrel. And now that I'm thinking about it, there hasn't been a squirrel around my garage lately, but I haven't seen him recently. So I might have because to go he's some... dead. Yeah, I might have to go do some more investigating. So I guess on hmm. on that note, getting away from the morbid smells, are there any smells in the shop that you just really like? Like, I know, like there's a lot of there's a lot of different smells in the shop. Are there some smells that you guys particularly enjoy in the shop? Hmm. Um, 
I've noticed working with, like, just in my own shop at home, like, cutting up pine uh, and that smell or the pine chips, it just smells like progress to me because it's, like, that's when you're building stuff out of, like, two-by-fours and, <laughs> like, outdoor stuff, and it just doesn't yeah. really matter. So it's, like, yeah, I'm working here, cutting up pine. So what did you make so, your yeah. fence pickets out of? Um, that... For the playhouse uh, railing was cedar fencing. Okay. Whatever. So, and the cedar has a distinct smell and that it smells like outdoor projects and it's kind of like pine as well. That do you it, like, it do that you smell. like that smell? Uh, I don't mind it. There's only one wood smell that I do not like. Yes, we know, know John. Walnut. <laughs> I do not like the taste of the smell it's, that it's is the... walnut dust. <laughs> It's the wood smell that shall not be named. Yes. Yeah. So, so that, and then uh, a smell that isn't necessarily a good smell, but it smells good to me is white oak. It's got kind of a swampy, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. like kind of pungent smell, but I've yep. just built a lot of things out of quarter sawn white oak in my day. So it's mm-hmm. become a good smell to me, a kind of a nostalgic smell that it's, very familiar, so. Okay. What about you, Phil? I. Uh, I would. Right. I. <laughs> <laughs> I like the smell of walnut. Um, white oak, I like. Uh, I was cutting something just the other day, and it just smelled awful to me, and I don't remember what that was now. Is it cypress or cypress? Maybe that's oh, what it was. What was that? I don't. I don't know. Anyway, most woods I really enjoy the smell of. Um, you know, if you burn maple on a table saw blade, because you pretty much <laughs> always do that. Uh, you know, it's got that maple syrup smell. That's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the smell of turpentine. Oh, really? Which I know some people don't. Oh, like Logan, no. for example. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have always liked that. You know how some people are just uh, like really like the smell of like diesel or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, you know, like, or gasoline or something Gas like that. Gas and that, lawn clippings. Yeah. It's yeah. just like a nostalgic smell. Right. It's like my grandpa's garage, I think is right. what mainly yeah. is what it is. That's, that's and what I my feel daughter like, said the other day too, that it's like gas, grass clippings and decaying leaves smells like grandpa and grandma's back garage. It's yep. just a nostalgic thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. so. A 1960s era lawn boy mower. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kind of putting along in the background or so. So I like that. Um, Baltic birch plywood, like the real stuff has a very distinctive odor that I like. Okay. Yeah. Not I the, see that. not the other, I mean, it's still really nice plywood, but there's the Baltic birch that has the very distinct black glue lines in it. And I don't know if that's yep. really, you know, a lot of places will sell it as Baltic birch, but I don't know that that's not the Baltic it's birch true. that I'm referring to. I'm the. The real Baltics. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that stuff, that smell smells good to me when it's being cut. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it's funny because I was, again, I mean, this just, this all happened like in this last week. Um, I'm blowing up. Uh, so I did those planters out of that cedar a couple of weeks ago. My wife, I had a bunch of scraps left over. And I've been sawing them into uh, cedar planks for grilling. They're fantastic. Like doing like salmon on cedar planks. They work great. But my wife grabbed sure. a couple pieces. She's like, hey, I want you to, can you make me a step for our camper out of this? Because our, our camper steps are pretty high. So we need a, like a little stool basically for the kids to get on the first step. Sure. I was like, yeah. So I was like, oh, this will be a fun little project to, to do all by hand. So I'm doing that all by hand, glued them up. And after I glued up this, the step, I was planning them with, uh, with my four plane and kind of smoothing them out, getting the glue lines all even out and stuff. And I really enjoyed the cedar smell. Like I know what we've said it and, We've always joked, Phil, about vegan woodworking, but man, like the cedar just works so nice. I love the smell. Yeah. 
Like, I absolutely love that cedar smell. Um, and we, same thing when we did that planter a couple, probably a month ago for the TV show. Uh, oh, right. Just, oh, God, it just, it smells so, so nice. Like, I, I agree with John. Pine also smells good. Uh, I love sawing pine um, on my, uh, on my mill. Um, the smell is fantastic. It's, it's that, I guess to me, the pine is kind of a nostalgic type thing. So I used to do a lot of framing and stuff with my dad. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's kind of that nostalgic, like, Oh, Hey, I feel like I'm working with my dad, even though I'm not. And my dad's still around. I mean, you know, no reason I couldn't go work with him. <laughs> yeah. Besides, I don't want to volunteer my time to build a shed, <laughs> but, um, I, I have that same thing with, with Oak and it could be red Oak or it could be white Oak for some reason. Whenever I smell Oak, white oak red oak whatever it instantly puts me back into high school shop okay Mm -hmm. like absolutely like just instantly because i think because everybody in the shop was using red oak right everybody's using red oak to build their little wall gun racks yeah yeah whatever everybody built in high school so i uh I don't know. Those those are just two things that I really enjoy the smell of in the shop. I mean, I'm the type of guy that likes the smell of acetone and rubbing alcohol and stuff, so that doesn't really, you know, those don't bother me. Odorless mineral spirits, however, mm-mm, nope. If I could go, nope. like, full strength mineral spirits, I would. Yeah, odor full. Yes, mm. please. Like, Yeah, I, no, I, the odorless that's... mineral spirits does not smell good to me at all. That's no. a... I would agree Not with that. Not at all. And I will say, I I do enjoy the smell. And this is not necessarily a wood shop thing, but I enjoy the like hot metal smell. So like if you walk into the the shop, okay, and Chris has been just pounding out woodsmith fine tools, right? Like I like that that burnt mm-hmm. metal type smell. Mm-hmm. Like again, a metal I, shop, I think it's like welding yeah. and yep. It's like, again, I think it's a nostalgic thing. You know, I'm, I'm instantly back into metal, metal shop in high school when I had no responsibilities and no cares in the world. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. That's always nice when, I, you're, when your kids say, I can't wait till I'm a grown-up and I can do whatever I want. Yeah, with responsibilities. <laughs> and you you feel so bad. It's like I can't kill your soul and tell you you're gonna hate it. Right. <laughs> and then you, you tell them I can't wait till you're a grown up and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man! So I do remember John. You've been around long enough here. Uh, way back long ago, uh, Don, the owner and founder of Woodsmith, had also owned a store woodworking store in Des Moines. He mm-hmm. still does called the Woodsmith store, not coincidentally. And, uh, since we were all part of the same happy family, the shop built a lot of the outdoor fixtures for the store mm-hmm. when it was first getting started in its current where its current location was it had moved from a smaller place to a much larger facility and was going to have a garden center and we built i don't know bunches of outdoor fixtures which required an enormous amount of cedar and i remember going in there a few times like as it's getting ready to be gardening garden center season and i knew the shop guys were working on stuff for it and going in there and it was just like it was like guinea pig cage in that <laughs> shop. And a couple of the guys were starting to develop sensitivities to it, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like their eyes were all puffy and half closed and they're all sneezing and, you know, sound yeah. like they have pneumonia. Yeah. We did not have very good dust collection or dust mitigation in that tiny little shop. So yeah. And I think we also had a few craftsmen who and designers who weren't very diligent about turning on dust collectors or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's know, interesting like... to me how people get different reactions to stuff. 
You know what I mean? Like, Phil, you had you had a pretty good reaction to was it Liptus you were working with? Oh my gosh, yeah, I forgot about that. I was making uh, I had gotten some Liptus from my brother, I think, a number of years ago, and this was you know I don't know if anybody remembers when Liptus kind of burst onto the scene as like this new Wonderwood kind of thing. Um, so I had some, and then I was going to make a Christmas present from Liptus. It was a Mancala board that we, it was a project we had done in the magazine and the Mancala board, if you're not familiar with the game has a long board with a series of pockets cut into it and you advance tokens or markers around the board in a specific order and there's different variations on the game. Anyway, I was making one as a Christmas gift and was routing out the, the pockets with a bowl and tray bit and a template. And, um, it just threw up a bunch of fine dust. And at some point, all of a sudden I noticed like my sinuses kind of burning and then Starting then, it just kind of ramped up to basically like Mount St. Helens inside my head and burned that way for probably probably a solid hour and a half or two hours or more after, after I was done working. You know, it's kind of like, you know, at that point I put a dust mask on, which I probably should have, but I haven't, I hadn't had any reaction to other woods prior to that. So, um, so I kind of hopefully knocked it back from getting worse, but it was, it was painful. Is that the only wood that's ever given you a reaction? Yes. As far as I know, um, like I said, when we were doing those projects with Cedar and the whole shop was just, it's almost, and it's hard to say whether you're having a reaction or it's just like the Hall's mentholiptus effect where you just kind of yeah. feel it all over. You know, so I don't know yep. that it was necessarily a reaction. It was just the cedar oil everywhere. So, yeah, as I was say, I I've never had any issues with any woods except for those that cedar from those planters. Hmm. Um, and I noticed it. And actually, my both my kids were outside playing as I was routing the the loose tenon mortises. Um, and that whole night we were all inside just hacking and coughing and noses running and stuff. Hmm. It's like, my wife looks at it, I was like, what, what got into you guys? And I was like, I, I think it was the cedar. Yeah. And she was outside with me the next day as I was finishing up those more. So she's like, Oh wow. She's like, yeah, that's, that's like my, like my nose run and burn and I'm coughing. And it's like, it's almost like, I guess the best, the best way to put it is it's like when you get fiberglass in your lungs or in your mouth, it's like you can feel it in there, and I was like, "Oh, it's like I'm walking around like I have a hairball." It's like you know, trying to <laughs> hack it out of my mouth, and I can't. You know, fiberglass isn't cotton candy. Well, <laughs> I do now, John. Thanks. <laughs> but why do they make it pink then? Right. Yeah, John. Do you have any reactions with any wood? Uh, I can't say that I've had any like major reactions. Um, I do remember. Um, the previous job, we were working with a lot of Ipe and just like that being generally like a toxic dust cloud, like cutting in that. And it was just like a turned into a green cloud of dust and just like not bearable at all. Like in the, in the, um, any slivers you got like burned, hmm. like it had like a toxic dart. And it was just like not enjoyable <laughs> to be around. I wonder all. if that has to do with the oils in it, right? Because I'm guessing yeah. if you were doing stuff out of ePay, it was probably for outdoor, right? Yeah, I think it was like for a pool area. So yeah, um, yeah, it's yeah. which is funny because I I just started looking at we're getting ready. Spoiler alert: we're, we're getting ready to build a patio, uh, dining room or a picnic table for our TV show. So I was looking at some outdoor woods for the top on it. And Ipe was one I looked at, and mm-hmm. it's funny you say that because I had a ton of people, or I was reading a ton of people saying, "Oh my god, I'll never work with Ipe again." It was so it was so hard, yeah. and it was just nasty to work with. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I think that's it because it's, it's, I don't know, I've, it's kind of funny when we do projects around here and we try to use a variety of different materials, A, for just plain variety and B, to, um, you know, just get different experiences with different looks out of a different material, even though it's the same, you know, like a, a craftsman style project built out of white oak looks vastly different from the exact same project being built out of cherry, even though you can do it. Um, and I just, I notice more about how some material, some wood species are much friendlier to work with. And yeah. some of them are just not friendly at all. And I feel like, you know, like hard maple is hard, but it's not like Ipe where it's just kind of angry, mm -hmm. you know, it just, you know, blunts cutters and yeah, it's pretty similar to that. But yeah, that's probably why some of the more popular woods became popular because they were readily available, but also easier to work with than sure. some of the other stuff. But it's kind of cool to work with some of those exotic woods, though, sometimes because it is a different look and a different, a lot of different techniques that you'd have to use to, to make it work. So mm -hmm. it's good to mix it in. Oh, yeah. So... On the note of outdoor wood, okay. I don't know if I've ever asked you guys, just because I don't think we have anything else to talk about. Why not? I'm going to keep talking. Uh, what's your guys' favorite outdoor finish? And I ask that because I'm sitting right now on our, I don't know if you guys can see that or not. Nope. Uh, right, well, right there. So it's a teak, it's a teak couch, right? Or a teak, like outdoor love seat type thing. And okay. I just oiled it this weekend. Um, because when I was cleaning up my garage, I found a thing of teak oil I had in the garage. And I was like, I should use this. So I re-oiled this teak love seat that we have. Um, and, oh my god, it looks like brand new. Like, it's it's phenomenal. And it's it's been actually been a video I've wanted to do for a while. Because I have, um, I have an outdoor bench that you guys built on the TV show a number of seasons ago. And it sits out front. It gets a lot of sun. It's ready for a refinish. Sure. So I thought we'd do a, a video on refinishing outdoor furniture. What's your guys' like go-to outdoor finish? Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I use pinifin oil a lot, like on cedar. But it's kind of like, oh, this looks nice right now, and I'm gonna add a finish, and it's gonna look good for a year, and then it just goes gray and dingy, and yeah, it's like. So yeah, that's always a good question of like how do I finish outdoor projects for the long haul and when do I have to refinish them and like all the maintenance and so. Yeah. That. I, uh, I made some taught a class at the woodsmith store on pocket hole joinery and for the class or the seminar, I made some two little side tables for our porch at the time. And now they sit on our deck. Uh, out of cedar and I don't remember what I finished them with originally. And then when they were starting to look a little worn, I sanded them the best I could and then applied penifin to them. And after putting the, like it looked good with the penifin, but within, and this has probably very little to do with the product itself. It was more my application or the materials, but <clears throat> they ended up feeling really dark and I don't know, just didn't look appealing to me. So, uh, then I think my, one of my two favorite outdoor finishes now is, uh, general finishes has an outdoor oil mm -hmm. that I've used on several projects. Um, on our website, we have a couple of lawn patio rockers that we got from my wife's grandma, and I refinished those, and they're redwood, and I put uh, several coats of the outdoor oil on, and they look fantastic, and they've looked good for a couple of years now, and I've had really good experience with it. The other one is uh, Old Masters has a water-based 
outdoor finish, Ascend Exterior, I believe is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and I've used that on a couple of projects now. And I really like the look and feel of that. You can make that as film finishy as you want, but with sure. just a couple, two, three coats on it, it has a real nice, um, real nice protection to it. And is lighter, feels lighter, if that makes sense. Then sometimes oils can sometimes feel sticky or look oily. Yeah. So like there, that's a better view. So like the, the teeth definitely, it, I think you're right. The oil definitely darkens it. And I like that personally. I, I can see how somebody wouldn't like it. So those planters I finished, I, I finished them with a uh, Western red cedar uh, penofin. And I thought the, the color turned out really nice. They did get dark. I wonder how well it will wear outside, I guess. Um, Mark Spagnolo, uh, the wood whisperer, he just released a video a couple weeks ago that was kind of going back and comparing some outdoor projects that he's built and finished over the years uh, and how they've held up. Uh, and that was a really interesting one, um, showing the difference in how where something sits really affects how it wears outside, I guess. Um, the more oh, generally, yeah. and this is just a general statement, the more sun something gets, the worse it's going to wear. Because UV tends to be the worst on finishes. Water, not that big a deal. Um, and the freeze and thaw cycle, not that big a deal. I think that's probably more stressful on joints than it is the actual finish. Um, yeah, probably. But UV generally seems it, the consensus that at least that I see tends to be that UV is the most damaging. So his video basically the 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 point was if you want something to last the longest, paint it. Which yeah, I get and I agree with because the paint is going to absorb the most UV rays and kind of block it from you know getting damaged. Um, but that being said, I don't necessarily enjoy a ton of painted furniture. Like I think this, this picnic table, um, the original one, it looks sharp. The original one, the base is painted and the top is naturally finished with an oil or something. And I, I get that, that, that makes sense to me because that top surface is easy to refinish. So if you need to re-oil it, you know, not a problem. You just sand it. It's a flat surface. You sand it, you, you re-oil it. Um, I've done some stuff with spar varnish and have had good results. Um, my my front screen door and actually my front door are both mahogany, and those are finished with spar varnish. And for years now, they're doing really well. Um, I don't think they're ready for a, fin a refinish just yet. I probably have another two or three years out of them before I have to refinish them. It's just I've, I find spar varnish kind of tedious to apply a lot of times. So... So that would be interesting to see what your guys' thoughts were on them, on outdoor finishes. Yeah. What did you say, John? I just said that I've used Pinnafin and just hope for the best, and I haven't found that magic bullet yet of of what works. So I've just accepted the fate that is outdoor woodworking. Right. So. I will say it's always funny to me to read articles and I, I'm no chemistry whiz or finishing lore master either, but you know, you always see about like, make sure you build your project out of this for outdoors because it turns to a beautiful silvery gray after a few years. <laughs> and I think to myself, if you leave any wood outside for a few years, it's going to be a beautiful silvery gray, if that's what you want to mm -hmm. call it. But in between the like brand new look and the silvery gray is kind of a, a leprous, don't touch me kind of look to it. It's like the awkward age for children. Right. What are you saying? <laughs> it's like when yes. they're all gangly yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I per personally, 
I don't care for the weathered gray look. I know a lot of people do. A lot of people like like the weathered gray look. I'm not a fan of it. So I guess I would rather keep some form of finish on it to keep it from doing that. But yeah. I know a lot of people like that. Like one of the best looking outdoor projects that I think I've seen is is those chairs you just built, those redwood chairs. Like those are just oh, a yeah. great color. I mean they just they're just gorgeous, you know. Like even though you can tell that it's not new, it's right. an old piece of furniture, they look awesome though. Yeah. So I think it's worthwhile to keep up. Either you just let it go and it's kind of slowly I mean, let's call it what it is. When it gets the silvery gray look, it's into its decay phase. You yeah. Know, that the UV radiation from the sun is attacking the lignin in the wood. And, you know, at some point it's going to start to feel splintery. You know, if it's a planter or, you know, to a certain extent, little side tables or something, that's not a big deal. But if you are interacting with it like a picnic table or a chair, then it becomes not as touch friendly to, to sit on personally. Yeah. And I don't know how much the wood really comes into effect there, you know, cause cedar will, cedar will do that fairly quickly. I think, right. It'll, it'll gray pretty quickly. I don't know about something like, um, teak, which I actually have a couple pieces of teak in my basement, uh, in my shop that I got from somebody I traded a dado blade to them and they had random pieces of teak and I'm going to make a couple of those, um, little triangle, I think they're technically a shop stool that we made on the TV show. Um, the one with the turned legs, um, I'm gonna do a couple of those. I think I have enough to do a pair of them out of teak for out here, uh, because I always grab my little walnut one and bring it out here when I'm sitting out here doing a podcast. Um, but I would have to think that the, the wood does make some form of difference, right? Like the oilier of the wood, the more weather resistant it's going to be, but I don't know if it will still gray at the same rate. I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. No, I don't think it will. I did some planter stands that I did out of, uh, Douglas fir mm-hmm. and they're in the, the awkward teenage phase of turning gray. And I'm trying to yeah. decide if I want to let them do that, or if I'm going to attack them with my random orbit sander and try and refinish it. You know, it's not, they're not beautiful yeah. vertical grain fur. It's more, you know, decent construction lumber fur. But, you know, one of the things that I've noticed is, uh, where it's starting to change color and have issues is kind of in the splash zone on the legs of these planters, you know, being on the deck, you know, it gets splashed back from the deck and whatever junk is on there so that the first three or four inches on the legs looks gross and farther up looks a little bit better. So, yeah, I noticed that on this peak uh, couch, the, the feet had absorbed a little bit of moisture. Um, this is teak. I don't know if it's actually teak. My wife bought it on Wayfair. I know you guys can crucify me all you want. She bought it on Wayfair, um, and it was sold as teak. So I don't know if it actually is or not, but you can definitely see where the legs had soaked up some moisture through the deck boards. Cause same thing you said, it's that splash zone on the bottom, you know? Yeah. So, so speaking of outdoor projects, John Doyle. Mm-hmm. With the completion of your fence pickets, is that a wrap on that project now? No, 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 no. That was just like the kids are always bugging me to do more on the playhouse construction. And that was kind of like, this is something easy to do that'll get them excited and adds a little safety. Now they're not going <laughs> to fall through the railing, hopefully. <laughs> now they have to fall over the top of it. Yeah. But they've been bugging me to add windows and doors and they want one of those doors that like the top so you know oh, two yeah. part doors Dutch that swings door. open yeah. yeah and then add like a little window for to to play lemonade stand in and stuff or I'm sure okay. they want it enclosed with windows and stuff and it's like come on guys <laughs> to, uh, to be fair your kids are young enough that 
that cabinet that you just finished in your basement predated them by far. So they don't understand right. that, that was their house is actually for your grandkids. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like this is this is a marathon, guys, not a sprint. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's like if I finish this this summer, what do they need me for? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So Yeah. And really I only started that a like a year ago. Yeah. In last May. So And it's completely uh, usable. They want, they want it, absolutely. I mean, every stage was completely usable as is. Yeah, I say so. But they and they want to paint it and stuff. And I don't know. That just seems like a lot of work. So we'll see. We'll probably get to that this summer sometime. Painting. Okay. So, but that's where I'm at. Okay. Just a little progress. Progress at a time. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap up the show with a little project update john kicked us off he's got a little mm-hmm. bit farther along on the playhouse logan do you got any well you uh, finished your planters i finished my planters yep they turned out great uh he filled them with dirt i just talked to, talked to him yesterday he filled them with dirt uh and they're working out awesome like done so i'm working on this little step for the camper it's gonna be a dumb little you know four minute project basically uh screw some legs on it and call it good um I I do have to, in the next week or so, get started on a traveling toolbox for the next issue of Popular Woodworking. So I think we're going to do okay. something in between the style that you have on your, or in the editor area, Phil, and sure. somewhere in between that, and um, there's a gentleman by the name of uh, David Barron of the UK that he's built. Uh, a couple different toolboxes and I really like his design too. It's very simple, very straightforward. Um, so I think we'll do something maybe like that. So that's kind of on, uh, that's the next steps. Unfortunately, my wife's built-ins are going to wait a little bit longer. I am going to use some of that maple, I think for this toolbox though, because some of the lumber that I ordered was extremely curly. So I'm going to use some of that for uh, a hoity-toity fancy toolbox. Um, but yeah, I, I cut some, um, locusts the other day on the sawmill. That was kind of fun. Um, Sunday afternoon, I think cut some locusts on the sawmill, uh, okay. black locusts in particular. Um, it was for one of my buddies that was making a ATV bridge across a Creek. He's like, Hey, what's going to work well for being outside. And I was like, well, cottonwood will be fine after it dries, but if you have any locusts. So I went to. Uh, Sleepy Hollow here in Des Moines, the Renaissance Festival okay. area, and yep. they had a black locust tree down, and he cut it up, and we, we threw it on the sawmill and cut it. It's a very interesting, speaking of outdoor woods, it's a very interesting one that once I get a kiln up, I wouldn't mind cutting some black locusts and drying it to see how that lasts outside, because that's a local hardwood that would do really well outside, so... Kind of an interesting yeah. salmon pink color. Not my cup of tea necessarily, but it would be kind of interesting. Yeah, but probably would age to a nice color. So, A nice silvery, beautiful silvery gray, right? Right. Mm-hmm. A beautiful silvery gray. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. I was wondering how it would stain. I don't know how it would stain. I've never tried to stain it. Yeah. Um, our previous shop craftsman or former shop craftsman, Dana Myers, he was working on a table for his daughter out of locusts, out of black locusts or honey locusts, one of the two. Um, and his was dry lumber and it was still that salmon-y orange, pinkish color, peach color. Hmm. Uh, okay. And I don't know how that tone would affect a lot of the stains, you know? Yeah. Um, so it'd be kind of interesting to see if you could stain it and how the stain would hold up outside. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Well, I'm been today. We were filming for video edition for Woodworking Essentials, and was I was working on my workbench and got started on the drawers for the bench out of the white fur, and the drawer fronts look fantastic. I believe, and can't wait to see that project start moving along a little farther. So, dovetail drawers, good. right? Yep, going to do hand-cut nice. half-blind dove drawer, dovetail drawers on 
some of them, and then some of them, since we got that vintage Woodsmith dovetail jig in, I want to put that through its paces and set that up and do a few in there too. So I think that'll be a pretty fun project to see. Yep. Um, I'm also, I had set it aside for a little bit, but did a working on my mortising machine. Got a little farther along on that, and I'm hoping to wrap that up in the next couple of weeks. So, mm-hmm. well, and you're you're changing the design on that just a little bit, right? Like you're using a different slide mechanism. Yeah, Chris had used so, uh, right? like sleeve bearings and tubes, steel tubes, and um, I wanted to shrink the size of the unit overall, so I'm using UHMW strips um, to do the slides on it. So I've managed to make it a little bit more compact. So that's part of the reason why this has taken so long. And it's one of those things where it's like, you got to like build a section before you can build another section. Cause it's all dependent on heights and measurements and things like that. So, yeah. Um, so there's that. And I'm also working on, um, I don't remember if I mentioned this last week, but a flower press for my daughter, she's kind of gotten into pressing flowers using her books of which she has a thousand. So it's fine, but I thought it would be kind of fun to do uh, a flower press. I have a bunch of veneer screws, veneer press screws that I I think I got from Brian Nelson. He had hoarded them, I guess, for a while. So um, so I'm gonna use some of that. Could you do double duty and use it to make tortillas as well? Yes, yes, (laughs) or hamburger patties. press. Fair enough. But it's like, how many tortillas do you have to press to even get a cup of juice? Right. It's yeah. a lot of them. They're Pure really tortilla. dry, usually. Right. <laughs> Pure tortilla oil. Mm-hmm. Yuck. That's another outdoor finish Yuck. that you're just not aware of. It's <laughs> so. Mm. All right. On that delightful note, from shop odors to tortilla juice. We're going to wrap it up for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks about this episode or others, we invite you to leave those in the comments section on our YouTube channel. You can also email them to us, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Also want to say a special thanks to our sponsor, Shaper Tools. They make the Shaper Origin. It's a handheld CNC router and bringing digital precision to your woodworking. Whether it's joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, or other shop tasks, you can do it with speed and precision. You can try it in your shop for 30 days. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. All right, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye.